0: Hi, everyone. This is the Wild at Heart podcast, and I'm Alan Arnold, and we're here in the week of August 7th. And before I say anything else, I just have to say, I can't believe June and July have gone so fast. Like the months were phenomenal times of adventure and play and joy. But in the blink of an eye, we find ourselves in August, and I, I just, I'm trying to come to terms with that. But the good news is we still have a lot of summer left, a lot of time that we can savor with family and friends and restore our hearts. So I hope you're doing that and will do that this month. We're in a series now that we call Deeper. And last week we began the series with a message from John. This was based on an event that was originally held for a small gathering earlier this year in the mountains of Colorado. And as we were doing, the sessions, we realized this is something we just have to share with everyone. And so that's what we've done and we've made it into this series we're in right now. But before I tell you more about where we're headed, as is our practice, let's slow down, pause, and give everyone and everything to Jesus. So Father, we do pray right now that you would calm our hearts, that you would take away all distractions, all the noise, all of the demands, that you would slow our hearts, that you would help us breathe deeply and freely, that your love would wash over us and that we would be fully present to what you have for us right now. God, we do release everyone and everything fully to you. We ask for your river of life to wash over us, to restore us, to refresh us, we love you. We love you, Father. Speak to us. Show us your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, here we are in part two of our series. And at the very time, the world continues to just Ask us to be more shallow, to stay in the surface level of things, to let chaos and distractions fill our minds. We want to go counter to that. We want to go at this very moment deeper into who God is, the story he's telling, and for the destiny that he has created us for. So, in part two, John is leading a session. Where he's going to talk about the provision of Eden, and how our heart is actually the new temple. Here's John.
1: I'm going to foreshadow a little bit about where we're headed. If the hour that we're living in is the hour of decreation, and particularly the decreation of humanity, which it is, that's that's where we are. Um, then the opposite, the opposite of that is the provision of Eden and how Eden comes to us to restore our souls and <clears throat> and enrich our experience of God. And so as you go through the Old and New Testament and you read the promises of God for the healing of our humanity, all the imagery is Eden. Jeremiah 17, Psalm 1. I want to read this passage from Isaiah 58. The Lord will guide you Continually, The Lord will guide you, right? Jesus is saying, we're, we're good, we're good. Giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring, okay? So <clears throat> as restoration is promised and as restoration comes to us, It comes in Eden language, in Eden imagery, in Eden terms. Now, I'm foreshadowing where we're going, okay? But it's just fascinating. Do you remember what Jesus said to the thief on the cross when the thief said to him, hey, please, please remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus was like, oh, no, no, no problem. Today, you'll be with me in Eden. Today you will be with me in paradise you will be with me in eden the kingdom of god is eden it is the paradise of god okay it is the it is the habitat for which your heart and soul were created and the nourishment available to us there is really wonderful we are now the temple of god we are where god dwells, and from the place that he operates in the world. This is it. This is the new thing. Now, you are the temple of a living God. You are the temple of the living God. Your heart is the temple of God. Second Corinthians 6.16, for we are the temple of God. Just Just let that sink in for a moment. It's a pretty big thought. I am the temple of the living God. Just just say that to yourself quietly. Let that in. I am the temple of the living God. Because it's got some really amazing implications. First off, you have the presence of the living God within you. That is your source of everything. Hope, joy, love, forgiveness. I mean, the power to forgive others. All that flows from the presence of the living God within us. This is it. Paul says the whole gospel comes down to one idea, and it is Christ inside of you, okay? But there's more. There are deeper things to explore here. For one thing, the temple was an outpost of Eden in the world. The tabernacle and then the temple were, were meant to remind you that you were going into the Garden of Eden, right? It was the menorah and the gold and the jewels and the scents and the beauty and the imagery and the music and the song, all of that. It's like, oh, we get them. Well, because the presence of God is there. It's like, we get, we get back. We get to sneak in. <clears throat> well, that means that your heart is an outpost of Eden in the world because you are the new temple. And your humanity, and particularly your heart, your soul, your inmost being, is meant to be renewed and replenished with the resilience of Eden. You are a little walking, breathing temple of the living God meant to experience greater measures of the Eden presence of God both restoring you, but also just sort of pouring forth from you into the world, into relationships and broken people and broken systems and broken churches and broken communities. That's how it goes. How cool is that? How cool is that? Now, for this morning's exercises, there are two things I want to explore The first is that whenever they talk about the tabernacle or the temple, it always culminates in this phrase, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It always culminates in that. When they dedicate it, when something special is going on, the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord fills the temple. This one resource is a big rescue. This is a big rescue, okay? If we can unpack a little bit of what that means, the the glory of the Lord. Um, First off, think of nature. Isaiah says the whole world is full of his glory. The reason we love beautiful places, we love getting near waterfalls. You just love being near them or getting under them, in them, right? Or the ocean or the forest or just beautiful gardens, simply a beautiful garden. The reason you love going there is because it is filled with the glory of God. His life, his sustenance, his presence, his beauty emanating through it. Okay, so think of nature. Think of Cana. When Jesus turns water into wine, 180 gallons of it, it says, he thus revealed his glory. Okay, well, wait, what was revealed in Cana? The the generative capacities of God to turn simple things into luscious things, okay? It's like, look, look what I can do. Water into Cabernet Sauvignon, okay? And gallons of it, it's 907 bottles, which is kind of scandalous to drop into a fairly small wedding party late in the evening <clears throat> okay that's his glory it that that 's what it 's what we love in nature it 's the nourishing splendor abundance thing, and then finally the resurrection in Romans six, Paul says it was by the glory of God that Jesus was raised from the dead, so you see this generative life giving creative ever flowing ever-renewing capacity of God, that's his glory. That's, That's what the glory of God means. And that filled the tabernacle, which is why when they got near it, they're like, whoa, we are really close to Eden again. Filled the temple, and it fills you. You're the temple. This is meant to fill your heart. This is meant to fill your soul. Here's a, here's a cool thing that we'll unpack a little bit as we go along. So the temple, the tabernacle and temple had a pattern to them. <clears throat> there was the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. And that's how Eden is built. There's the land of Eden. There's the garden of Eden. There's the tree of life. These things are very, very intentional. Well, guess what? You too. You have a body. That's the outer court you have a soul that is the inner court you have a heart which is the holy of holies the glory of god is meant to fill and restore and replenish and heal from this hour of desolation this hour of decreation of humanity the eden loving presence of the living god this is it this I said, this is our rescue in an hour like this, okay? There's more. We're going to pause and ask for it, and ask for it. Now, something that's really helpful to know, um, in an hour like this, I thought this was a fascinating insight. So the revival that was going on at Asbury and is spreading to some other campuses now, um, Every revival has its own characteristics, signs, wonders, different things. Stacy was pointing out to me that this one is gentleness. Do you see the tenderness of God? This is a generation who are taking their lives in staggering numbers. They are traumatized. God is not going to traumatize them with his glory. You know, he's not going to come down and, boom, you know, and everybody, look at all this really cool stuff and woo, you know. He's not going to do that. When the presence of God comes to his temples, he's going to do it really gently, really kindly, in an hour like this one. Okay, so... Each revival has its own characteristics, but right now what the human race needs is a whole lot of tenderness and a lot of mercy, okay? And so as we go into these exercises, they will be very tender and gentle. If you're kind of expecting fireworks, you'll you'll miss what he's doing because he's right here and he's working, okay? But I want to present these temples to the living God, and I want to ask his glory to fill us, okay? So let's settle into that for a moment. <clears throat> we're going to pray, play a little music. <clears throat> and we're just going to ask for the glory of God to fill us here. Okay, remember, this is Eden. This is Cana. This is the resurrection of Christ. That's what we're looking for. The generative, creative, life-giving presence of God into your temple, okay? So, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I present this temple to you. Father, I am your creation. Jesus, you have come to recreate me. Holy Spirit, I am your temple. And so I dedicate this temple, my body and my soul and my heart to the living God. And I ask that the blood of Christ would cleanse this temple from all desecration. The world and sin and the enemy has tried so hard to desecrate these temples. And in many cases, very successfully through harm. And so may the blood of Christ wash and cleanse the interior of the temple. I am rededicating and I am consecrating this temple to the living God. And I am asking for your glory to fill the temple. Restoring, renewing, replenishing, but also shielding, glory of the living God shield these temples come to your temple again Lord I am your temple let your glory fill your temple your glory, your love, your kingdom. Again, you don't have to understand it for it to work, okay? Just let it be. I am receiving the presence of the living God and the renewing capacity of Eden into my soul, into my body, into my heart. The glory of God, I receive your glory. I receive your glory. Jesus, in every place that this temple has been desecrated by harm, by assault, by the world, by my own sin, let the glory of the living God gently, lovingly, creatively, let it reconsecrate the temple. Asking that the glory of God would also fill this room today <clears throat> and would shield us in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> it's very gentle, it's very life giving. The more that you allow it, And the more that you invoke it, it increases, it increases, and it grows, but never overwhelming, never too much, never harmful, okay? Um, But in an hour of decreation, being able to simply invite the glory of God, I pray the glory of God would fill me, I pray the glory of God would surround me, will be very, very helpful. Very helpful. You'll see. Now, there is a part two, because the other thing that's flowing through Eden, the other thing that's flowing through the temple, is the river of life. The river of life flows through Eden. It flows through the temple of God. I think it's important to remind ourselves that these are realities they're not figures of speech. It's, it's they're not just metaphors. they are there is a river of life that actually exists right now okay It's real just because you can't see it you don't see love but you think love is real you don't see oxygen but it keeps you alive every moment okay like there are real things <laughs> like Eden like the city of God. <laughs> You know, all this, all the beautiful, the rest of God's beautiful kingdom, the rest of reality. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it is not as real, if not more real, than what you do see, okay? This is important to remind ourselves, we, these post-enlightenment educated minds of ours that are just so analytical, okay? Remember, it's the mystic who is sane. Everybody else is crazy, and the mystic goes, oh yeah, sure, of course, absolutely, it's a real thing, so you have God's a real thing, saints are real, people who have died and passed away, they're absolutely real, they're full-blown, totally alive right now, absolutely, okay, all that's absolutely real, the river of life is meant to flow through you, because you are the temple, so let's go to Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel has a vision, he has a a lot of amazing encounters with God. He's in Babylon, by the way, and God starts giving him these visions of the temple. He says, in my vision, I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. And then he starts following it and he has a guide. He has a tour guide to the kingdom of God, okay? And as they walk along, he says, wow, first it was up to my ankles and then it starts getting deeper and it was up to my knees And then it was up to my waist. And then it was, whoa, so deep. It says you can't even swim across it. He's getting an image of the river of life. And what I love is this. I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And then he said to me, there will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Okay, so you see the Eden imagery there, the trees, the flourishing, the fruitfulness, the swarms of living things. That's what the river of life does. okay. And then in Revelation, of course, John sees it flowing down the middle of the city of God. And then the angel showed me a river. With the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. This is one of the reasons that we know that when the city of God, the kingdom of God, comes to a restored earth, Eden returns. Because the tree of life is back. Where was the tree of life? Yeah, it was in Eden. Okay, So the Eden of God is a reality right now. It exists. It's there. River's flowing there. And it comes back into a restored creation. Now, for the wonder... John 7, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from their heart. The river of life is meant to flow through this temple. You're the temple of God. You are an Eden outpost in the world. That's that's what what you are. the river of life is meant to flow generously in and through you, restoring, renewing, replenishing. Remember, it says wherever this river flows, life will flourish. Life will flourish where this water flows. Okay? So in this present reality... You get to participate in and receive the river of life, which is a real thing flowing through your real humanity, restoring, renewing, replenishing. And here's a fun exercise for a moment. When you picture the river of life, how big is it? Don't don't say anything. Just think about it. Go, oh, huh, let's see. How do I think about that? The river of life. How, what does it look like? Now, don't go to like, you know, oh, your creativity and now you're painting paintings of it. no, no, no. Your soul has some assumptions about this already. What have you assumed it was? I am embarrassed to admit that I, when I first sort of conceived of the river of life, I sort of thought you could jump across it. You know, it's small, it's clear. I mean, it's flowing down the middle of a street. So I'm thinking rivulet, a stream, brook, brook, the brook of life. I mean, I, your soul has these assumptions. You feel As you hear the scriptures, as you hear these things, your soul fills in stuff over the years. I mean, if this is the life of God pouring forth into the world, doesn't it make sense that it would be big and and plenty for everyone and luscious? And then look, wherever the river flows, life will flourish, right? I saw swarms of living things and trees. That's what the river does. This gets to happen In you. The things that we're discussing about being the temple of God, this is just part of your inheritance. This is what it means to be an ambassador of God in the world, a child, a son, a daughter, a friend, an heir, a co heir with Christ. So to have the river flowing through us, particularly in an hour where so much harm. Death, there's a lot of death released in the world. And the antidote for that is not positive thinking. The antidote for that is not self discipline. The antidote is the life of God. uh, You know, just abundant regenerative, unceasing, ever-flowing to you. That's That's our only hope in this hour, is to receive the life of God, let the life flow through us, and in particular, to invoke it into the places in our souls and in our hearts that have been particularly harmed by death. The soul and the heart take a lot of hits in this world. They take a lot of damage. And <clears throat> actually, because your soul is the outer court of your, well, the body is, the, but the soul protects the heart. The soul takes more hits than the heart. The soul takes a lot of damage in this world. And then the heart does as well. To to call forth, to invoke, to invite, to welcome, to embrace the river of the provision of God, the life of God flowing to you into the places that have been particularly harmed by death is very, very helpful. It, it, It is irreplaceable. There isn't anything else that quite does this for us, like the provision. And Ezekiel saw it flowing through the temple, and then there is no temple in the kingdom of God, right? In the in the New Jerusalem, it's just flowing right down the middle of the street. That's us. We are the temple. We are, the, we are these little Eden outposts in the world. And the, therefore, the river of life is flowing through you right now. It's not like you just one day, you turn it on and say, okay, I think I'll let the river of life on. You know, <clears throat> but you can participate in it more. There there is a cooperative nature to all of this. There's a cooperative alignment and participation simply in knowing God, right? You can give him your attention or not. When you're distracted, you don't really experience a lot of God. When you give him your attention, you're like, whoa, there you are right there. You've been there all along. Okay, so there's a there's a participatory reality to this, because you have the dignity of causation, as Pascal called it. You know, you you are a volitional being, and you choose what you give your affections to. You choose what you give your attention to. You choose what you believe. But belief is actually a choice before it is an experience. So we choose greater levels of invocation. Does that make sense? You are a temple. There is no third temple in Jerusalem. That doesn't happen. Okay, you are the temple. And the river flows through the temple because the temple is an outpost of Eden. Okay, okay with that? Okay, well, let's invoke this. And we're going to linger a little bit more into this exercise because what I want to do is settle into it, invoke it, and invoke the river where harm has come. Invoke the river where death has come to places in your humanity, particularly in your heart and soul, okay? but also into your body. Absolutely. Okay? Okay. So let's just settle in for a moment. There is a part of you that is saying right now, I would love for this to be true. Go with that part. Give that part yes. Okay? There's a part of you that's saying, that would be amazing. I I wish yes. Please. I would love for this to be true in me. <clears throat> Jesus, you are the wellspring of life. You are the fountain of life. And my humanity is meant to be filled with your life. The river of life is meant to flow through my creation. And so I am invoking it. Let the river of the living God, let the river of the Spirit flow into my humanity. I am your temple. My heart is your temple. My soul is your temple. Let the river of the living God flow into this temple. I am invoking the river of life. Holy Spirit, help me, guide me open the gates. Open the gates. I open the gates of my own humanity, of heart and soul, of mind and will. I open the gates for the river of life to flow through me in greater measure. Let me see it, Lord. Give me a picture of it. Let me see the river of life. If only in my imagination, that's okay. Your imagination can help you get there. Let me see the river, Lord. Let me see the beauty of it. Let me see the river as it exists in your kingdom. Give me a glimpse of the river, Lord. And again, either either you'll see it or you can imagine it. Imagine the river of life in the kingdom of God, where it flows unrestricted, bringing life. And now, Lord, I invite that river in me. I invite it in me. I invite it in my body in my soul, and in my spirit. I invite it in my heart, I invite the river, I invite the river. And Lord, in particular, I need the river where death has gotten in. Now, again, you know how these exercises work. If you're in a place with God right now and you're in the groove, ignore me, just ignore me. But Lord, we are looking for places in us or in our souls, we have taken damage. Our souls have taken damage. The promise over the weekend that you spoke was this he said i will give rivers on barren heights where are the barren places in my soul that need the river that need the flowing presence of god and you can think of loss you can think of harm <clears throat> or just dry, just weariness, the river of life flow into these places. Show me, Lord. Show me. Show me the dry places, the parched ground. Show me the parched ground. The parched ground in you might be friendship. The parched ground in you might be meaning, purpose. The parched ground in you might be harm. I am invoking the river of life here into the places in my soul that have experienced death. I need the river of life, the nourishment of God, healing my soul. He leads me beside quiet waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He recreates my soul through the river. Where do you need the river? Jesus is asking now personally, where do you need me? Where do you need me? Chronic suffering would be a place to invite this. River of life into this river of life here in my soul. Let me see it, Lord. Let me see the river flowing through the damaged places, bringing new life. sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, I open my heart to the river of life. If you are mad at God, it has cut off much of the river. This moment, just forgive him. Without explanation, without understanding, you just say, I, f- "I forgive you." Here, I'm opening my heart in places of rejection. I am opening my heart to the river of your life. disappointment, I am opening my heart in the places of disappointment to the river of life, in places, Lord, where it just feels like death has gotten in. I am opening my heart the river of life. We are invoking the river into our creation, into these temples, these Edens, the river of life here, the river. invoking the river as a shield around me against all death, death in the world, death from the kingdom of darkness. I am invoking the river of life. I am commanding it, the river of life, to shield my children right now and name them River of life over my children to shield them. Name your kids, your grandchildren. I'm invoking the river. We are invoking the river here in this place to shield us in this hour from all death in the world, destruction, and decreation. Bring the Eden glory of God. Against decreation and death in the name of the Lord Jesus. River of life, fill me. I receive you. I welcome you in the name of Jesus. How's it going? Do you feel the gentleness of that? Do you feel just that just that gentle sense of whoa I'm I'm doing a little better? That's really good. Okay, okay, that's enough for now.
0: What a powerful session. And we're only halfway through the series, friends. Next week, I hope you'll join us when Stacy Eldridge shows us how we can find Jesus in our hearts.